You're listening to Inside Acting. To find out more and make a donation, visit InsideActingPodcast.com. Hello and welcome to episode 86 of Inside Acting. I'm Trevor Algott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And on this podcast we interview writers and actors and directors and filmmakers and agents and managers and casting directors and producers and voiceover artists and financial gurus and all sorts of people from all over the industry and we squeeze those interviews in between two pieces of us yabbering and then we stick it out there on the internet for free why do we do that sounds insane when you put it that way doesn't it like why do you guys do this <laughs> uh but yeah we do that every week and we do it for you yes and uh and as trevor said we we have no idea what it is that we're doing we are just two dudes with a podcast Boom. so if you have anything way. that you uh would like to thank you if you have anything you'd like to contribute you can do so uh in a a plethora of ways. Uh, I, and I thought for sure you were going to say Miria again. But I, you, you know, said I, I switched good. it up. I switched <laughs> it up. I'm a professional, Trevor. Uh, and you can start at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. Absolutely. And on today's episode, we have part two of our three-part chat with writer Matt Loglin. And um, this second part, he gets much more into the kind of experience of, of, of turning his story and his book into a movie. So he talks about meeting with agents and the rewrite process and all that stuff. So it gets, uh, it gets pretty intense here coming up. So make sure you guys stick around for that. Okay, episode 86. Episode 86. It's so weird that number only gets bigger. Do you remember when we thought 30 was like a lot of episodes? Mm-hmm. I, I listened to uh, that the was Mark like Gant. Episodes. The, uh, yeah, in fact, it was almost. Uh, the Mark Gant and Alan Barton episodes I was listening to the other day, and I yeah. was like... <laughs> we come in and we're like, 30 episodes? Oh my god, we're amazing! <laughs> And now it's like, oh yeah, episode 80s, whatever. Um, it was just really entertaining to me. I love the way that you spoke about the Mark Gant and and Alan Barton episodes just now, because those are great episodes, but it sounded like you were like about to be like, ah, the classics. <laughs> it it kind of feels that way, in, in, in a way, because it was like, I feel like the podcast was like somehow more innocent back then. I, I don't know. We didn't really... We know more what we're doing now than we did then, so it was kind of like cuter. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're going to be saying the same thing fifty episodes from now. I know. I'd be like, "Oh, those kids, those kids in '86, <laughs> those kids back in '86." Oh man, back it's in my day, because it's true. Yes. Totally. Uh, so before we get started with the episode today, we have just a couple. Uh, items to uh give acknowledgement to i guess for lack of a better descriptor first off steve you know who you are dude thank you for donating to the podcast thank you thank you thank you steve sent us some money and um few things warm our heart or, or keep our, our gear in good working order um, than, than money from our listeners. So <laughs> thank you, Steve, for that. Steve wins the award also for uh, most creative donations. Yes. Like we, yeah, we they're s- like right down to the penny, man. We say, well, we say week after week, like, you know, it's whatever you can give, big lump sums. Uh, 
you know, uh, or, or, you know, one-off donations or whatever, his are always in sequential order. So like he'll donate like $12 and 34 cents. Oh really? I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Is he really? One, two, three, four. Yeah. Six, seven, Whoa. eight, five, six, seven. Like they're always in sequential order. I didn't so, even notice. That's yeah. awesome. He definitely wins the award for most creative, uh, most creative donations. Awesome. Cool. Well, so thank you, Steve, for uh, for your contribution. And those of you listening who think, you know what? I think I might like to donate some money to those guys over at Inside Acting. Go ahead and uh, go ahead and do that. It's really easy. <laughs> Just go to our website. Uh, hit the donate button on the right hand side. We don't take this money and like pocket it and buy ourselves pizza or anything. All of it goes directly back into the podcast, recouping production costs, paying for server space, things like that. So uh, know that it's going towards a good cause. Also, of course, now 10% of your donation Mm -hmm. goes to uh, the Make a Film Foundation, as we mentioned in the last episode. And I just, I felt, I was listening to the last episode and I was like, what if somebody doesn't want to support that foundation, but they want to support us? So I wanted to kind of put the option out there. I, I don't think we'll have anybody do this, but if they do, that's totally cool. Um, just include a little note with your submission that say, you know, I'd rather you guys get the full Monty on this. And so why don't you just keep all of it and we'll, we'll do that. So if that's the case, cool. And, and, and likewise, if you want to, I don't know, maybe double down on your, on your contribution to the make a film foundation, you can include a note there and we'll donate 20% of your donation to them, uh, in, in the name of inside acting. So, um, there's some flexibility there. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we've said it before, but you know, there, there's, we love getting a little note in that note section when you leave a donation on PayPal. So yeah, yeah. It's always another excuse to do so. It's like, it's like you're even a warm cup of hot chocolate. It's kind uh, of what it feels like. Yes. yes. Very nice. Mm. Uh, secondly, we wanted to thank Trevor, <clears throat> not me, Trevor, but Trevor, email Trevor for, <laughs> for, for writing in with just a nice comment. You know, I mean, he basically just wrote in and said, guys, I love the podcast. And, um, I just want to let you know that I really dig the structure of it. And uh, if you never did another interview, he said he wouldn't have a problem with that because he digs our yabbering so much. So <laughs> that was kind of nice too, you know? It was very nice, yes. Um, not not to take anything away from any of our guests. Absolutely but not. Yeah. Just the just the acknowledgement of, of, you know, what we do at the beginning and the end. Like, that's the part where we feel like we don't always feel like we are adding value. <laughs> we, yeah, yeah. Like, we were like... We, when we were talking about how we wanted the podcast to be structured and, and, to, and moving it forward, and it's like, okay, there's got to be an uh, interview. There's always there always has to be an interview because we want to we want to make sure that like we're adding value here, and that we so. get like a you know quote unquote expert you know to with the with the experience or the know how or whatever to True. back us up you know yeah so that's that's part of it um, but yeah I'm sorry I I cut you off no that was it. That oh, was okay. it. We were saying cool. the same thing. So uh, thank you so much, Trevor, for the acknowledgement. Um, you know, donations and kind words. That's what <laughs> that's what fuels inside acting. And five star ratings on iTunes yes, and reviews. Yes. We yes. are we are run solely on hopes and dreams. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, so thank you guys. Thank you guys, and those of you who uh, might want to. Do, uh, a, 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 a write in or leave us a review or whatever. Uh, Inside Acting Podcast at gmail.com, 2132 actors, or just look us up on iTunes. We'll say all that again in the end of the episode, but you know. As always. Yes. So, what's been going on with you this week, Senor? Senor. Uh, I really put a big focus on two things this week, and neither of them had to do with acting. Although, I should say that my Prank My Mom episode came out. 
Uh, oh, really? Last a, a week a week ago today. So today's Tuesday. So last Tuesday it came out, and uh, the only reason I know that is because a couple people emailed me on Facebook and said. Um, so I just saw you as this like weird, like oversexed yoga teacher or something. And anyway, it was cool. Good to see you're working. And that was it. And I was like, I don't know if that's good or bad, but, uh, so that's out there somewhere. So that's kind of cool. And the really cool part was the, the casting director who, who hired me for that job, uh, or brought me in, I guess the producers technically hired me, but, uh, she wrote me a message that said, I hope you're watching this. And I, I was like, oh, did it air? And when I responded to her. And then the next day, she called me and said, can you come in for an audition? So it was kind of like a repeat business kind of thing, which was which was cool, you know? Was it an, another audition for Prank My Mom or was it? No, it was, uh, it was a Microsoft commercial, a web-only web oh Microsoft gosh. commercial. No, it was, it was super, super low budget, <clears throat> but... Uh, but you know, work is work, man. And yeah. I was I was just happy to go see her. She's a cool lady with with a great energy, and she's from Philly, so we oh wow we connect on a lot of levels. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I ran into uh, podcast listener Stacy Shevlin, who goes went to the same high school that I did in Philadelphia. Like really, and I sat right next to her in the waiting room. It was unreal. Yeah, it was really Lots cool. Of Philly connections. There. Yeah, it was a, it was a cool day, man. It was a cool day. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, why was Stacy? I was talking about Stacy the other day. Can't remember why, but um, yeah, no. It just goes to show that you know it, it's just like anything else in this industry. Like people are going to hire their friends. People are going to you know reach out to the people they know. Yeah, repeat business is huge. I mean, it's huge in any any industry, but especially in ours. Yeah, yeah, especially absolutely. For actors, absolutely, totally. So, so yeah. On top of that, uh, I just uh, I put a focus <clears throat> on music this week because I've decided just just drill down on my music and make that happen. I've set a deadline for myself, and I finished a song this week, which was a great feeling. And uh, I've got four more to go, and I'm just gonna make that happen uh, soon. And uh, and I worked on um, my my secret business. That will all will be revealed soon. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't even know business. what this is about. Yeah, hmm. I'll, tell, I'll tell you about it afterwards. Oh, okay. Um, actually, I think you do know. But after we after we stop rolling the, yeah. the cameras, yeah. yeah. Uh, how about you, man? What's what uh, what happened in your world? Well, this week? I, pr- I promised our listeners in the last episode that I was going to talk about um, this understudy role that I took on. So it's official now. It's official now. Yes, okay, cool. it is official. Which is which is part of the reason I didn't talk about it last week. Not only is it official, but it's it's happening. I'm getting the guaranteed performances, and that was the um, not worry, but that's what was the alternative was that I wasn't going to get the guaranteed performances. So the situation goes like this: I auditioned for this play right before I left for Australia. I left for Australia, which meant th- which meant that I couldn't go to the callbacks, and they really wanted us to be available for the callbacks because they want to do chemistry reads, so on and so forth. Didn't get cast week and a half ago, um, <clears throat> the understudy for the role that I had auditioned for dropped out. And being that it's a professional theater, they need to have an understudy because it's probably in the uh, main actor's contract. The casting office, who I know, I know the casting director very well, calls my manager and is like, hey. hey. <laughs> <laughs> I love how they have their tail between their legs when you say, any, hey, hey, what are you doing? Any, any chance that AJ's available? Because um, they were very interested in, they were they definitely wanted to give me a callback and it was just, I was going to be gone. So they were very interested in casting me beforehand. I think the guy they found is fantastic. Um, he's a good actor. He fits the part probably even better than I do type-wise. I didn't, I was like, 
I'm, you know, I'm, I'm finishing LP. I graduate from LP this weekend. So I'm extremely busy right now, like more busy than I've ever been in my life. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. (laughs) Why not? Two weeks to learn an entire show. No problem. No problem. I did. Cause you've never done that before. Yeah. Right. I did a musical in three days. Like, come on, come on, (laughs) give me a, give me a challenge here. No. So it's definitely, I mean, if I was going to boil this whole experience down to a big learn, I would have to say that I I do feel like I overcommitted myself mm. at this point. Mm. That being said, up until this morning when I was late to record the podcast, <laughs> I've been handling it fairly responsibly. I just went into a bit of a time warp this morning where I like I was it was like Groundhog Day. I felt like I was reliving yesterday. But um, yeah, other than that, I've been I've been handling it like responsibly. Like I I, I actually I legitimately can't believe or understand how it is that it's all fitting together but it is i mean i'm just doing it awesome you know you get to fill your day up every single moment with something productive you get to really you know stand in your power be the author of your your life and your schedule and you know because like first of all the casting office was like uh yeah it's just the guaranteed performances and we'll work around his schedule with regards to rehearsals which wasn't really true because there was like a dress rehearsal and a tech dress rehearsal on it. So I, I had to be like, you know, I have this going on, 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 give them all these conflicts. And they were like, whoa, I also, you know, assured (laughs) them that it was going to, it was going to work, you know? And it was really interesting. I had a conversation with, um, one of the co-artistic directors of the theater and, you know, he said, if you don't feel comfortable and our crew and the other cast members don't feel comfortable with you going on, one of the options we have here is that the main actor will do the understudy performances, but you will still be the understudy. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because of the way that I responded. Because there are a lot of actors out there who might be like, oh, it's all about me, it's all about me, it's all about me. There are also actors who might tuck their tail between their legs and not respond in a powerful manner. And I literally put my hand on the guy's shoulder and said, if you need an understudy for this role and I am that guy, then so be it. Which basically was like, was saying, you know, I'm here to fulfill this role for you. And I want to assuage any, you know, anxiety you seem to be feeling right now. Usually, it's the actors who it's the actor who feels the anxiety. Usually, we're the ones who are um, tell ourselves that we're in a position of nervousness or scarcity or anxiety. And so, to have this moment with this person who is really well known and re- well respected in the LA theater community, and say, "I'm centered. I'm grounded. And I'm here for you." And have him, he literally like shook his head and he was like, you're too sweet for words. I don't even know what to say right now, you know? And so <clears throat> all the other stuff is mechanics, details, crazy story that happened. But if I was going to say that there was a big learn, it was really that moment. That's powerful, man. That's showing up as a true leader, mm-hmm. you know? Tell, tell us a little bit about the show. What, what is the show? When are your performances? The show is called Creation. It's at the Boston Court Theater in Pasadena. My guaranteed performances are October 22nd and 24th, both at 8 p.m. So that's a Monday and a Wednesday. They do um, Monday because it's the understudy performance. And if your friends are in shows, they want to give them an opportunity to come see you. And it's a really fascinating play. It's a world premiere by this writer named Catherine Wallet, I think is her name. W-A-L-A-T. 
Um, and it's about this uh, bio- biology professor who's very into science and answers and, and you know, science explains everything, uh, very um, left-brained, if you will, who gets struck by lightning. Based on whatever happens in that moment, he begins to go down a different path, I'll say. I don't want to give too much away, but, you know, he, 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 he starts to shift from, you know, if I was going to boil it down to really, really mundane, simplistic terms, he starts to shift from left brain to right brain. Okay. <clears throat> and it's uh, it's fascinating because he's married to a doctor who's also left brained, who fell in love with his brain, and so there's you know oh, conflict there, and that's cool. And the yeah. Boston Court does such good work. Yes, they do. So it's so cool that you're going to be on stage there. Very excited to, to yeah. finally get an opportunity. I've auditioned there a lot. I've gotten called back there a lot, but nothing's really worked out it wasn't like uh, you know a perfect fit so to have this Those opportunity days are over my friend well it's just i mean <laughs> perfect fit i don't know but it did just kind of like land in my in yeah, my lap yeah so, so to speak you know and you're so. sourcing something there boom boom <laughs> boom very cool man well um so the 22nd and 24th that is next monday and wednesday correct right so um any of our listeners interested we'll make sure to stick a link to that on our website oh. and uh It'd be really cool if you can go out and support AJ. I know I can't make Monday. I'm working on Wednesday, uh, working on being there on Wednesday, but uh, it's up in the air for me right now. But um, go see AJ, man. The Woo-hoo! Boston Court's a beautiful space, and AJ's going to kill it, of course. And um, you know, it'd be cool to support, have people support you, man. Thanks, man. So uh, sweet. wanted to quickly touch on before we roll into our interview uh, one of the uh, discussions that has kind of taken on uh, a little bit of a life of its own on our facebook group and that is the age-old discussion of casting director workshops and I, I i love this this topic because it's just so contentious isn't the right word but it's just so charged you know mm-hmm. and uh we i i maybe you can read it aj because i can't see that far yeah i mean it was very is there very straightforward is uh by a listener uh, donald who posted on our on our facebook group he just simply said when should you start going to casting director workshops is it an issue if you're non-union and are you regularly attending cd workshops and i think i think that was um posed not just to us but to the entire group yeah the community yeah. um and i think it's interesting too because the question is not should I go to casting director workshops or not. The question is when should you start. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he adds in, you know, uh, specifically union versus non-union question because he's uh, he's already sort of um, what's the word assuming that you're going to go to to casting director workshops. So he's just saying when should you start doing that? And of course, as you said, Trev, it's a very uh, charged issue so then you have all kinds of people with all kinds of opinions on the right and wrong wrong, i guess you know yeah yeah i chimed in and just said i i thought that you know casting directors are almost always a good idea i've seen them work 
you know, quote unquote work for a lot of people. Uh, and it's my experience that most of the actors who are pro casting workshop are actors that have worked and are working fairly regularly. And most that are not pro casting that are anti casting director workshops, they don't really have a lot of credits usually. So I, I mean, it's not black and white, but I mean, it's, there's definitely like a, a bias, um, in that sense that, that those that are working do the workshops and those that are not working usually don't. And then Dennis Baker chimed in and he made a really good point. He said, you know, I would wait if I were a new actor, I would wait until I really was confident in my skills and my chops, my audition skills, my reading skills, my whatever. Yeah. So, so that when I do spend the money and go into these things, I'm really kind of making a really good impression. Totally. And that's, that was a great point. That yeah. And it has had, nothing that, that in particular has nothing to do with union versus non-union. That's just about like what he's saying about being prepared, yeah, about being yeah. uh, feeling audition ready. That has nothing to do with union versus non-union because like did I'm that not, come up? Union versus non-union. Well, that was Donald's original question. Was oh, uh, is it an issue if you're non-union? Oh, he asked as part of part okay. of his question was it was just a secondary sort of yeah, it was a secondary question to gotcha. his when should you gotcha. start going the first part completely overshadowed that second part for me. <laughs> yeah, Apologies. when should you start going to casting director workshops and then you just added a little caveat on there is it an issue if you're non-union? So uh, you know what what I'm saying is that what Dennis said is not it, that's not a question of union versus non-union. Yeah. You know, that's just yeah. are you are you ready? And he does have a point because you leave an impression this is the thing that I don't like about casting director workshops. Is you leave an impression with the casting director, whether that's good or bad, and the context does affect, in my belief, does affect how you come across. So what I'm saying by, uh, by that is very often I hear that the people who go to these casting director workshops end up getting called in for like the under five and co-star roles, which is not bad, especially if your career is at that level. Two things that happen though, say you get cast, awesome, you get a job, you can never go on that show again as a bigger role. Probably Ever. not. Right, unless they right. decide to, like, you could do a David Lawrence where they write you a two-episode arc and then they turn it into a whole season arc. Sure. If they sure. love you. But so, that's a guest star, too. That's right, a guest right. star, not a, so, not, a, not a co-star. Yeah, it's the exception, but it, it can happen. It absolutely not can likely, happen. likely, but it can happen. Yeah, very unlikely, but it can, it can happen. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is, and this sort of splits off into two things. Number one is the class itself. That's the context. And number two is the people you are in class with. So the class itself... I feel like sometimes, and then this is why it's such a you know con- contentious or charged issue, is that the casting director is just there to collect a paycheck. Um, some or, are, yeah, because some are, uh, or it's like, oh, this is what I need to do. I'm just gonna, you know, I guess as a casting director, I go or like the casting director will send their assistant to the workshop or what have you. So that's as far as the class context goes. And then as far as the other students, sometimes you can go and you will be the standout in the class. And that doesn't necessarily mean a good thing because the casting director can, can, um, tune out and I've seen it happen over and over and over again. So let's say you're in a room with a bunch of subpar actors now you are counted among the subpar actors because the casting director is sitting there with head in hand 
bored out of their minds thinking, oh my God, when is this going to be over? Wow, really? You've seen that? I've seen it multiple times. Multiple wow, times. Wow, I've, I've had the exact opposite experience. Really? I can yeah. I can literally point to three different, three separate experiences where this has happened. Wow. Two where I was uh, in the class and one where I was observing. Okay. Um, like I said, for me, that's such a shame because like even if you were the standout, you know, which you would be, Trev. Like, you're a fantastic actor. But I feel like some casting directors would go in and they would actually count you among the other subpar actors. Not because you were, but because they were experiencing boredom or, like, wanting to get through it. That's that's really interesting. I mean, now we're just talking. That, that's so... Wow. Okay, that's so subjective. Because you'd think that they would be like, okay, cool. There's these this handful of really good actors in this bunch that maybe and I'm not really vibing with rather than just kind of lumping even the the ones that that are decent in with the right and it's not to me I don't I don't feel like it's a conscious thing I don't feel like they're saying like oh everybody here is terrible I think that what's happening based on what I can tell from body language you know and I could be totally wrong but this is just me reading people based on body language it's not that they're saying like everybody here is terrible or they're not yeah they're not saying like yeah they're not saying every actor is terrible they're saying in their head, I I am having a terrible time. I see. I see what you're saying. That's the difference. <clears throat> right. Right. Um, well, that's that's in that, that's, that's interesting. And that's up to the responsibility of the actor. So, <clears throat> I guess that's one of the things we're kind of trying to do with this podcast is just kind of help start a movement of more kind of conscious, committed actors. I don't know. You totally. know, I mean, it, people listening to this, you know, that's a that's a good lesson in responsibility right there. Like, make sure you show up in a way that's going to make your other actors proud. That oh my sense? god, that is huge! <laughs> Hell yeah, that's amazing! You know? That's amazing! Yeah, like because be there all, in service of of the, the the mass that you are representing. All boats rise with the tide. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like yeah, absolutely. Well, the kind that's of huge. Pick, that, that it's also like uh, don't be the crazy actor. Don't be a whacker. <laughs> don't be a whacker. Yes, don't yes. be a whacker. Where's Ben Whitehead? Where's Ben? Yeah, uh, yeah. No, seriously, don't be a whacker because then you give other actors with an a a bad name <laughs> yeah. oh yeah. man you just you just baked my noodle trev right on you just totally baked my noodle <laughs> i am i am i am simmering in my noodle bake right now <laughs> simmering. You, gotta, your whole body language changed and you look like you were in a hot tub for a second i'm like i gotta sit i gotta sit back for a second pause uh, that's awesome uh, you know and that's so interesting that you say that because like i said my experience could not be more opposite i the workshops that i've been to i've almost always been impressed by the the actors that are there like usually there's a few where you're like hmm you're still kind of new at this but there's a lot of them that are like holy shit like these guys are awesome like i gotta step up my game if i want to if i want to yeah. like not be one of those other actors in the room yeah don't get me wrong i've had those experiences too but i i've also had the other ones that i was huh. describing so it's um a viewpoint that i don't hear people express very often when they're talking about casting director workshops and since it is such a charged issue and gets brought up so much i feel like i just want to add in some other perspectives that people may not have yet considered yeah yeah you know what i mean right on dude right on that's that's awesome to to look at it from both sides like that yeah and that's what we try to do on on inside acting is create a a balanced kind of view of things so once again i feel like we're opening the can of worms or pandora's box but if you have anything you want to add to this particular conversation uh please do uh we know it's a charged one we keep saying that and we know that there are various opinions and perspectives and experiences yeah. and you know it, it is it's it just comes down to being one of those things where 
it's a it's almost a case by case basis. Yeah, yeah, know? very much. And um, our our Facebook group is a great place to start for that. You can see Donald's original question and then follow the thread of comments. And uh, I think David August posted a link to uh, an acting blog that he runs that has uh, a little bit of of, uh, of another viewpoint on there. So there's a lot. Like AJ just said, this is a, a deep rabbit hole. This is a large Pandora's box. <laughs> um, but for good reason, you know? I mean, this is one of those, like, keystone actor uh, obligations slash behaviors slash whatever you want to call it that we get to, uh, to suss out every day. Yeah. On a case-by-case basis. So, yeah, chime in, please. Uh, any, any final thoughts? Oh man, let's jump into, uh, the interview. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. So part two with Matt Loglin again, <clears throat> Matt's a writer, uh, a blogger, a kind of an accidental blogger, accidental writer, uh, and now an accidental movie based on his story of his book of his life for, <laughs> that was awful, but we're going to keep it. Uh, so <laughs> no edits. I'm sorry. No time. I'm sorry, Matt. We'll do it live. <laughs> I'm really sorry, Matt, but uh, great stuff here. Um, so enjoy this, guys, and we'll uh, we'll catch you on the other side. a little bit about how you went from the book to to that when did those conversations start happening yeah it's kind of weird i mean i don't know how we classify this again because i'm so far outside this it got optioned by lifetime uh recently and so to go back to your question um conversations about a movie happened a long time ago uh again probably within the first eight months after liz died i started getting contacted by by producers and and this is uh, you guys are going to get pissed again um, so I get this, I get this email from somebody named Denise Denovi and I'm like, who the fuck is that? Like, I don't know who this person is, you know? And it turns out like she's made all these movies that I absolutely love. Like she was like, she was like the producer of Heathers and the producer of, um, I'm trying to think Edward Scissorhands. And she's done all this work with Tim Burton. She did like, um, James and the giant peach, which like, that was one of my favorite books as a kid. And I loved that movie as I got older. Um, and she's done some, some stuff that I'm not so into. She actually sort of gotten, uh, she's gotten quite a lot of press for turning Nicholas Sparks books into movies. She's done all of them, um, lately, except for like the notebook. Um, she did the lucky one recently. Uh, she also produced crazy, stupid love just not too long ago, which I I really, really loved. Um, so I, I get this email from this woman and I'm like, who the fuck is this? You know, like, why is this lady contacting me about a movie? And so she took me out to lunch and I was still working for my company at the time. And uh, I didn't have a lot of work to do. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll meet you for lunch or whatever. And so the lunch ended up going like three and a half hours <laughs> Wow! <laughs> during which she's taking calls from Robert Rodriguez and like all this stuff is going on in the middle of my lunch. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like <laughs> literally my head was spinning. I didn't know what to even think about this stuff. And this woman's saying like, I really think we've got something here. Um, and not unlike what happened with the publishers when they first contacted me, I just figured she'd go away. You know, I just kind of thought she would find somebody else who would be more interested in, in my story or, um, or she would find something else that was more tragic or more beautiful or whatever. Um, and so I just kind of, again, the self-sabotage, I sort of ignored her. I just thought I'm just going to let her, you know, sit there. And, um, and then, you know, as I was working, she heard about my book deal because this is before I even ended up on Oprah or anything like that. She, she had already contacted me. Um, and in the meantime, she said, I want to set you up with my agency. 
And I was like, oh, I need, I need another agent. <laughs> like, this, is, this is later. I'm like, I need, a, I need another agent. She's like, well, you should have one for TV and movies and, and, uh, and speaking engagements. And I said, okay, well, whatever you say. And so I get a call from somebody at CAA, and I don't know what the fuck CAA is, right? <laughs> like, oh, my God. I'm sorry. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> it's terrible. No, it's amazing. Like, we're, we're going to sit here and laugh. I just yeah. know that there's some of our listeners out there who are, like, you know, smacking their foreheads yeah. collectively. I know. And this is, this is again, so how far I was outside this. I mean, I lived in L.A. for 10 years. I had no idea what the hell CAA was. Isn't that weird? I mean, I just I worked for an internet company. I never had any no, designs of doing weird. this. It's not weird. We're the weird ones. We talk about this all the time. We do. We, talk, we, do. we talk about this all the time. We talk about uh, you know uh, actors being the ones who are swimming upstream, the ones who are driving the opposite direction of the traffic, the ones who are you know uh, walking in the opposite direction of the crowd that's walking the you know the other way, going to their nine to fives. It's, yeah. That that you no your life was actually way more normal than this one. <laughs> I, I can I can see that, but it, it, and, and for me it was just such a strange thing because here I am I'm like I'm having to go tell my boss at work it was like okay now I gotta you know I know I just took a couple of days off to go to New York to meet with publishers now you know because I, I mean I met Denise far before the publishing thing happened but then I started getting they get they're getting very serious about representing me as the book started to get picked up by people. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm taking meetings at CA with all these people, and I'm like, what the hell? Like, this is so weird. <laughs> this is my life is totally uh, kind of turned on its head. And, um, and so, you know, th- this, this conversation was always happening. There, you know, there, were, there was talk of trying to do reality shows, which is something I wasn't all that into. You know, it's not something that I was all that interested in. Um, I, I had a couple of ideas, I think, that, that would have been, you know, I would have been okay actually doing. I thought about doing one. Well, just, I just basically wanted people to pay for me to travel around the world. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> so I was like, why don't we do this show where like this dad, you know, could be me, um, travels around <laughs> the world with his daughter and just shows her things. Cause I was already doing that. Like we'd been to India and Nepal and, and Singapore and we'd been to Mexico and Canada and all around the world and been to Paris. Um, and I thought like, what better thing to do? I mean, she's not in school yet. I can get somebody to pay for my travel. We could have this amazing TV show, and it wouldn't be the sort of typical reality show where they're sitting in your house watching you like do your laundry and have fights with your mother-in-law, things like that. Um, which I actually had proposed to me at one point. They're like, "We'll we'll do this show, and we'll move your mother-in-law in. It'll be amazing." Oh and I was like, "You guys, like, oh this God. is like the worst thing in the world." I actually told a, a, a somebody at a production company to f- go fuck themselves, um, wow. which I thought would kill my 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 life in Hollywood, which I, I just didn't care. It wasn't, wasn't something I had any designs on. So when you tell a producer at kind of a big production company to go fuck themselves, um, I guess you really don't care much. <laughs> about any of this stuff. Um, wow. but yeah, so, so yeah, then, then as I was going on with Denise, um, I, I wrote the book and she kept asking to see drafts and I would just ignore her emails cause I thought I'm not ready to share this with people. You know, one person who read it, it was my editor and my father-in-law was the other one. And, um, and I just, I just couldn't bear to share this with anybody. And again, I just kept thinking she would disappear from my life. And when the book came out, I hadn't heard from her for, for a while. And then it hit the bestseller list and it was hanging out there for a couple of weeks. And I got a call from her and she said, I'm, I'm still really interested. Do you want to do this? And I thought, well, okay, she must have something here. Again, this is her job. This is how she makes her living. She must, uh, she must know what the hell she's talking about. So, um, so we worked on that a little bit. And then the agent that I had at CA ended up leaving recently and started her own agency. Uh, her name is Sherry Smiley and she's just, she's like one of the greatest people in the world. Um, and so even though I'd been with CAA, I'd, I'd seen a lot of sort of the, um, you know, you're dealing with a big company and sometimes you don't get the attention that, that a bigger name person would. I mean, they represent, I don't know even who, but they represent a lot of really important people apparently. And I probably was at the 
very, very bottom of that list of people. And not that I ever felt that way, but once my agent left and started her own agency, the, the hands-on attention I've gotten from her and the speed at which she got this deal done with, with Lifetime was, I mean, it was immediate and uh, yeah. it was pretty amazing. Matt, I asked you a question in both the, when you were talking about both the publishers and Denise and the you know production company and agencies and stuff like that, <clears throat> when you were going through it and saying like, oh, I wasn't interested and I just kept, you know, shrugging them off. They kept contacting me, kept contacting me, kept contacting me. You said in every single instance, you came to this point where you finally said, wow, they must see something. Right. Looking back now, having completed the book, having the movie in production, have you discovered what that is for yourself yet? Or is it still like a complete phantom, crazy, confusing came out of nowhere type thing. Well, I, I mean, I look at it this way. It, it, this is this is sort of my background in sociology speaking. Um, I met a lot of other widowed people after my wife died, you know, through my blog and through other things I've done. And a lot of them are, um, they're better writers than me. They're better photographers. They're better parents. They're better everything than I am. Um, but most of them are women. And the fact is this story gets told from the woman's perspective all the time. And because I'm a man and I'm talking about my feelings, and it just so happens that my wife died the day after our daughter was born in a very tragic manner that had nothing to do with her her own fault. You know, um, it had nothing to do with me. It was just something that happened. Um, you know, it, it's a twist on a kind of common story, right? That this, the story being, you know, person falls in love, person this person's in love with dies, and then this person has to pick up the pieces. Um, we see these stories all the time, I and mean, there's just this. I mean, and, and now it's coming from the male perspective too. Um, the Descendants, for instance, is is something along that line. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been a few other movies recently that have kind of, or maybe I just didn't notice them before. But now that I'm in this situation, I see these kind of popping up a lot. But um, I'm very aware of the fact that uh, because you know, and, and this is this is what I was talking about with privilege earlier. And this sounds terrible to say, but as as a white person in Los Angeles who's educated, who had a very beautiful wife. Um, you know, I get, I get opportunities other people don't. And, and that's a real fucking shame. It really is. I mean, I've met people throughout the situation that, that deserve more attention than I've gotten. And the only thing I can do, um, is try to give back in some way. I mean, I started a foundation to try to, um, use the platform that I do have to give back to widowed families with children because, there's no other way for me to do that. I can't give back in any other meaningful way. Um, I don't consider my writing giving back to people. I mean, that's a, it's a gift to my daughter. Some people read it, they get something out of it, but that's not, I don't, I'm not so, so, uh, I'm not such an asshole to think that like I wrote this book and this is my gift to the world and, you know, unwrap this and bathe with it or whatever. But like, that's not what it is. And that's not what this movie is going to be and, and everything. And so I, I, what I'm trying to do throughout this is, um, is to look at this as, as you know, like, and I don't believe in any sort of like cosmic, like payback for anything. Like my wife died. I don't, I don't think I deserve what I've gotten. It's not been that at all. I think I was in the right place at the right time. After all of this happened, I went through something so unbelievably shitty and, and people wanted to hear about it. Uh, (laughs) this is kind of, this is terrible. And it's also interesting. And I, I think it kind of pulls this all together in one, one sort of quick story. Um, 
my my book is also being published in four different foreign languages. So it's going to be in Japanese. Uh, that one's not out yet. Uh, it's in Bahasa and in Indonesia, and then in um, both uh, traditional Chinese characters and complex Chinese characters for both these Chinese markets. Um, my agents for my um, my literary side had gone to sell my book. They do these sort of international book festivals and things like that, and um, you know they just have it out there. And, and a lot of times, um, some you know some publishers will want it, some of them don't. And apparently, they had uh, talked to a Japanese publisher, and early on, the Japanese publisher said, "We want nothing to do with it. Japanese families can't relate to tragedy in the same way um, that they can from a story being told from a Japanese perspective." Um, and so they just, they had no interest in, in publishing my book. I got a, I got an email from my agent, <laughs> um, a few months back, maybe six months ago. And it was, it was the most surreal thing for me because, it, you know, it outlined everything I just told you that they could not get this book sold in Japan. And then it was period after the tsunami, Japanese families have started looking to American families to see how other people deal with tragedy. Whoa. And you know, and, and that it's, it's like, I mean, if I didn't feel enough guilt already from the people who are telling me that I wrote this book and I've used my wife's tragedy to get a book deal. Now all of a sudden I have a Japanese book deal because of the fucking tsunami. (laughs) And it's just like the most horrific thing to think about. But, but again, the, the sort of point I'm trying to make, I think is that, um, you know, I've got this situation that, that people have, have found, um, you know, maybe they can't relate to in the same way. It's not, it's not that their wife died the day after their daughter was born. Um, you know, that, that it's not what happened to all of them, but, uh, people can find a way to relate to this in, in a completely separate way. I mean, I've had people say that my dog died and I know what you're going through. And on the surface, you want to say like, you know, you're an asshole. Why would you say that? But I also understand that people's tragedies are different and the things in their, their life and their circumstances are different. And, um, and that could be like the worst thing that's ever happened to them. And if they can relate to me in that, that manner, that's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel an immense amount of guilt about that. And I wish that other people had more of an opportunity to tell their stories and get them out there because I have, I have some friends who are just incredible writers. I've got a friend, Heather, who, um, who's just the most incredible writer and just the, the most heartfelt person I've ever met. And, and she and her husband went through something really, really awful. And I just love them to death for the people that they are and the people they've become. Um, and I hope they get a chance to tell their story because it needs to be told and they can do it in, in such a unique way. Um, but you know, I don't know. I, I just, I want to use, uh, what I've gotten, you know, the gifts I've been given since, since Liz has died to try to do something better for people. And, um, and it's not through my book. Again, I'm not, I'm not pretending that that's, that's my gift to the world. It's, uh, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to do something good for these families that need it. And, uh, and that helps me feel like I didn't just get this attention for nothing that I can actually do something to help people out and, um, and not take all of these opportunities and put them in my back pocket and hoard them for myself. So, mm-hmm. well, yeah. after the, uh, after the tsunami thing, I mean, I almost want to tell you you're not allowed to respond to this. Uh, but after the tsunami thing, it does sound like it has been, uh, or you know, has the potential of being a gift to the world. I, I appreciate that. It's um, it, it's an interesting place to be. I mean, it, it's weird to get emails from people in Indonesia. You know, I don't know anybody in Indonesia. <laughs> I've never even been there, and um, and to get emails from these people all the time and and hearing just the most wonderful things from folks is it, it's such a great thing. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't expect to, you know, I didn't expect to have a book out, you know, even though I signed the contract, I never thought it would get done. I never expected to be published in a foreign language and I never expected to pe- for people to interact with me. Um, and those are, those are great. Those are my favorite inter- interactions. I do get some great ones that are, um, more negative people for some reason don't like my swearing in my book sometimes. And so, <laughs> 
I, I usually ignore those or, or apologize, but I've sent some pretty choice responses in the past couple of months just because, I don't know. I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, you know I've, I've always avoided the swear words in response, but the most recent one I got was somebody who um, was very indignant about this. Like, her, her email was great. It was something to the effect of, like, I found your book, and the cover was so beautiful, and I thought this would be such a wonderful love story. And then I read it, and I only got, a, I got like, 20 pages into it, and there was so much swearing that I had, to, I had to throw it away. She's like, I didn't even donate it to my local library. I threw it in the trash. And I thought that's a that's a really interesting email to send to somebody. Like I'm I'm not the person that would ever send like a fan letter to somebody, even if I like their book or their their music or whatever. Um, I also wouldn't turn around and trash them in an email. And I'm assuming she probably thought it was going to like a publicist or something. Um, but I responded, and my response was something in in, in the order of um, I'm really sorry. You know, I'm sorry for the swearing. Uh, this is how people of my generation speak. I just assumed she was kind of old. Um, this is how people of my generation speak. Um, you know, the sort of authenticity I was trying to bring to this was was important for my daughter. I want her to know that um, I wasn't just this robot going through things, you know, after, after her mom died. Um, and, I, you know, would the book be better if I'd said things like, Instead of saying, wow, this is, this fucking sucks, would it have been better if I said, darn it, that was a really horrible day for me? <laughs> you know, like that doesn't convey the, convey the same emotion. Um, and so I actually offered to send her a large print version of my book with all the swearing redacted. Um, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I'll send it to you free of charge. Like, you've already paid for a book. It's cool. I've got some lying around my house. Um, I'll just send it to you. And I never heard back from her. Um, I doubt she's listening, but if she is, like, my offer still stands. I'll send it, I'll send it to you, like, no problem. And I she's will redact this. She's actually one of our donate. She donates yeah. to the podcast. Yeah, right, right. You better censor all my swearing then. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll put in lots of beeps. Um, yeah. So, how involved have you been with the with the film? Uh, you know, it, so we're in the process right now. We're like, they're actually just doing the writing, um, and so. So you're not the you're not the screenwriter. On I'm it. not the screenwriter on it. You're not you're not being you're not being tossed into a new uh, quote unquote hell that you have n- <laughs> no idea about, right? Thankfully, I think they finally realized my limits after having written a book and all of this, and actually having to record the audio book for for my, my the audio version of my book. Uh, I think they finally reached a point where they're like, all right, this guy shouldn't do any more around this thing. <laughs> like we know we know where his talents lie, yeah, and it's you, not this. You, you've <laughs> had your you have you've had your hand in plenty of your own story. Get yes, out of here. get out of here. Let's see if we can improve it. Um, and so it's been interesting because so not only is Denise involved as a producer through Lifetime, um, there's somebody who I didn't know very well uh, because I never watched Friends, uh, but her name is Marta Kaufman and I, she's apparently one of the creators of Friends. And she's also done some really wonderful things through Lifetime in the last year or so um, with this five project, I guess, uh, where she's worked with um, Jennifer Aniston and a few people to uh, direct these movies that are based around a particular theme. And I think last year it was around cancer or something. Um, and so Marta has, has, as far as I understand it, has been working with Lifetime quite a bit and they find projects for her that they, uh, hope that she'll be willing to work on and she can either say yay or nay and, um, just dismiss them at, <laughs> at her will. Um, and so they took my book to her and said, um, you know, we were looking to make a movie at Lifetime. We want to know if you want anything to do with it. And that's, that's really scary. I mean, I've had negative reviews of my book and I've had people say terrible things about my book. But this is somebody who's saying, like, yes or no, I don't want to – I either want to work with you or I don't want to work with you. And I didn't really want to know the answer to that. So I just told my agent, like, just don't tell me. You know, Just mm-hmm. tell me if somebody else wants to do it or whatever. I just assumed Marta would want nothing to do with it. Um, and then I got a call one day and they're like, um, you know, Marta wants to meet you. 
and I thought, oh shit, this is not, this is scary. Like, you know, I've met a lot of people throughout this, but I've never met somebody who's worth that much money. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I don't know anybody who's that rich or who's won that many Emmys or whatever. Um, and so she asked me to come meet her at her office in Hollywood. And, uh, and I didn't know what to expect really. Cause you know, I mean, this is fucking, this is Marta Kaufman. And I was also going to meet these two other writers that she wanted to work with. So she's, I think a co-executive producer, or co-producer, whatever that, that title is that she'll have. Um, and I just assumed at that point she'd be out of it, you know, that she'd hire these two writers or some writers and then she'd just be finished. Um, and as it turns out, she's playing a very active role in it. And so I got to her office and I met these two guys who are just the funniest dudes ever. I'm, I'm so happy because I think with my book, there's a lot of, there's clearly a lot of sadness in it. And I think there's a real opportunity for make, to make this book really morose. And like, if you turn this book into a movie, it could be really, really sad and depressing. And I think Lifetime does that sometimes. And I mean, all movie uh, movies can end up that way. But um, I think they have the right attitude. I think there's there's a certain degree of humor that's in my book that c- comes out. Um, things that were happening on a daily basis that I just found funny. I mean, I, there's just countless examples. Um, but I think it was a real real stretch for them, and, and I think a real chance for them to to reach out to these writers um, and and know that the reason they wanted to bring them in is because they also have a sense of humor. Um, and these two guys, uh, <laughs> they're, they're really great. They, they've written a bunch of things. They started off with Marta at friends actually. And from there have moved on to do all sorts of things around Hollywood. Um, it's important for me because I was scared about lifetime, you know, uh, lifetime has a certain, uh, feel to it over the past, uh, several decades. And it has a certain, um, you know, understanding. I mean, people, when, when they hear a lifetime movie, they assume that it's going to be something, and I think over the last year or two, and this is something that a lot of people don't know if they're not living here and they're not kind of part of this, this Hollywood machine, not that I am, but I've now been subsumed by parts of it. Um, you know, they're going through this rebranding effort and they're trying to do things a little differently. And so, um, one of the things that they've done is they've, you know, they did the, the client list with Jennifer Love Hewitt, right. Um, where this is not, I mean, it's kind of the typical, uh, lifetime thing, but they're trying to get away from just sadness and cheating and murder and things like that. I think they're trying to bring in more humor. They're trying to bring in different pieces of this um, that didn't exist at Lifetime before. And so uh, they took that movie and turned it into a series and it's now doing really well on Lifetime apparently. And um, there's a potential for that to happen with my, my movie. So they're, and I've had to learn all this new terminology, but they're using my, this, this TV movie as a backdoor pilot for a potential TV show. Um, and that's something that's held up the contract actually, because they had just negotiated a con- contract just for the movie. And then they came back to my agent and said, we think this might be a decent series that we could, we could turn this into something more, um, along the lines again of the client list. And so, um, that's also been really interesting to think that there could be on top of this movie, which is going to follow the book pretty, you know, linearly, literally, I can't even speak. Um, it's going to be a straight shot through the book anyway. Um, and what's going to happen then is that they could also, um, you know, turn my life into a, a TV show, which would probably follow the first episode being my book again in, in a very s- short form. And then they would just have free reign to write whatever the hell they want. Yeah. Uh, which is, which is scary uh, hmm. because one of the sticking points in the contract, and I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about this either, but whatever. Uh, one of the sticking points in the contract was um, needing or, or having the ability to, to depict me and or my daughter as having committed some sort of felonious act. 
And I was thinking like my daughter's four and a half, like what could she have possibly done? That would be like, you know, along the lines of a felony. Um, and what, you know, I guess these contracts are amazingly long and they cover like, you know, things 40 years from now. And so what they're saying, what they're hoping is that if they do do the TV show, which is a real long shot, as far as I'm concerned, if they do the TV show and this runs for 15 years, they need to have something in the storyline that shows my daughter, you know, stealing a thousand dollars worth of clothes or whatever from a store or, you know, hijacking or carjacking somebody or whatever. Um, and so it's, it's just, it's all very strange to have to go through that and to have to think about 15 years down the line, if this thing potentially gets made, what kind of repercussions there could be for me. Yeah. You yeah, have to really, that's trippy. You have to divide, <laughs> divulge your, like you have to find that point where it stops following your life and just goes on this fantasy, fantasy trip. Which yeah. will be the second episode. Really. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, for me, for me, it's actually sort of, it's done. It's already done for me. Like, I, I, f- I felt, and I have a very sort of healthy disconnect from this now that I've sold. You know, I, I've, it's been optioned. And I know for a fact that not everything is going to remain the same. Um, I think, you know, people who, who don't know how this works might assume that they're going to try to find a guy to, you know, to act in the, in the, in the movie that's going to look exactly like me. And they're going to follow the book line for line. And that's just not possible. I mean, it's it's absolutely impossible. If anybody's ever seen a a, a movie script or or um, any sort of screenplay, they know how little is actually in there. Like I was amazed when I read my first screenplay, and I was like, "Oh shit, this is like there's a hundred pages, and you know, there's like it's double spaced, and <laughs> there's just a couple yeah, lines yeah. of line. You don't you don't expect that. Like you assume that it's written in book form, and that's how it works. And um, or at least I do because I don't know anything about this stuff. Um, but it's really interesting to see how they're going to go about doing this. And, and again, I have to have a, a, a bit of disconnect for myself just so that I'm not looking at this all the time and thinking like, my daughter would never say that. Well, shit, she was one year old when, when I wrote the book and, um, and that's what she's being depicted as. And so I can't, I, I have to have that separation just right. to be okay with, with this. So. Yeah. yeah. All right, everybody, welcome back. Um, would you? Uh, did you have something you wanted to say, or no. are we going to debrief after part part tray? Um, I mean, I, I really got I got I got nothing to say that wouldn't that wasn't just already kind of said Co- covered <laughs> in the know? interview. I don't I don't nothing to recap at this moment. Rock and roll, pick of the week, then pick of the week. Yeah, let's do this. Uh, my pick of the week is uh, is food again. <laughs> Are you, notice, <laughs> are you noticing the theme? I think it's going to be food next week too, and, and we'll talk about that. But um, uh, my I, pick I, of the week is food. <laughs> go eat something. Go, go, calories. That's my pick of the week. No, uh, I, I've been spending uh, a lot of money at Native Foods recently, oh, and so uh, this good. is this is strictly a SoCal thing, and I think a Colorado thing as well. But maybe Arizona, but I, I think it's pretty much slowly uh, south. Yeah. south west mostly right now but uh native foods is a vegan uh restaurant and you would never guess it's vegan by like if somebody put a plate of one of their dishes in front of you you might say oh this texture is a little different but the flavors are just amazing it is so So freaking good and i've been there like four or five times in the past month and i was just thinking about it today and i was like you know what I gotta do. I gotta do that as a pick of the week. So, <laughs> if uh, if you happen to be in Southern California and you want to maybe, and you're not a you're not a vegan or vegetarian person, but you maybe want to experiment a little bit, NativeFoods.com. There's like five or six locations uh, in uh, in LA that you can go to, and uh, I recommend. <clears throat> 
depending on the day, starting with either the nachos or the chili. Get the bowl of chili. Don't don't get the cup. Get the bowl. <laughs> don't mess around. And then uh, the ensalada azteca is really good. They got a great kale salad. The veggie pizza is really good. I'm really hungry now. <laughs> Trevor, I just want to um, take a moment to acknowledge you and thank you because you do realize that now that any listener comes into town and they want to take us out for lunch or coffee, we're going to get free native. There we go. <laughs> So I just, want, I just want to say thank you, Trevor, for for future future AJ is thanking you right now for future AJ's meals. My plan is working perfectly. <laughs> yes, Trevor's pick of the week from now on is food. Yeah, I really right. like this particular coffee, and you can actually order this and have it shipped to any address in the United States. Right. <laughs> That's a good idea, actually. My pick of the week this week is gold. <laughs> <laughs> and my shipping address is <laughs> gold. That is classic. <laughs> my my big <laughs> mutual funds, <laughs> stocks right. and bonds. Yeah, right. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. We are on. literally crying right now. So, <laughs> I hope other people find this as funny as we do. They, Otherwise, they they're like unsubscribe. They don't. Um, so. <laughs> Dude, uh, your pick of the week. Please get us off this train. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I've ever laughed this hard on the podcast before. Uh, and market, market, it's all downhill it from ha- here, people. Know, right? It's all downhill. Market, <laughs> just cut it ha- your losses. It right happened. Now. It happened. Episode eighty six. Just, just move on to something else right now. Don't even finish the episode. Episode eighty six. Trevor and AJ. Collapse in fits of laughter. Uh, the end. Okay. Um, Scene. All right. Pick of the week. Oh, God. My pick of the week is not nearly as funny. Um, or healthy. I, I have questions about your pick of the week, though. I, I'm. I, we, you showed me it before we started here, and I'm really, well, I'm really excited so, to... I, gave, I showed you the whole intro video. You could have asked questions earlier. I know. I wanted to save it. <clears throat> All right. Get fine. our listeners in on the first, um, first take. My pick of the week is this application for iOS and Android devices called Waze, W-A-Z-E. Some of you may have dot heard... Com. Dot com. That's Wikipedia. Or no, Expedia. Expedia. <laughs> an Edia. It was an Edia. It was an Edia. I was close. Um, <laughs> goodness sake, man. If there was a producer, we would be fired right now. <laughs> it's a good thing we are our it's own producers. we're our own producers. Um, <clears throat> it's called Waze, W-A-Z-E. Uh, dot com is their website, but the the application is called Waze. It's available on um, both Android and iOS devices. And the reason I like it so much now, this also may be the kind of thing that is specific to LA based actors because it is uh, super supportive when it comes to traffic. Um, <clears throat> but and I know you know anybody's living in New York, they're like traffic. Ha! I don't even have a car. Um, <laughs> you know because we have mass transit that actually works. Mm. You know, things like that. But what it is, it is a combination of turn-by-turn navigation, much in the same way you get from a, uh, a TomTom or Garmin or something like that. It's a combination of turn-by-turn uh, na- navigation and social, I don't want to say social media, but socially generated social, content. Socially sourced or networked. Yes. Yeah. It's- user, user-generated user co- uh, yeah. content. Speaking of Wikipedia. So yeah. essentially what, what it is is anybody who's running the application on their phone and driving around, it uses the G- your GPS location to track <clears throat> um, your speed. 
And so if multiple people are, you know, the more, the more people that are using the app, the better it works. So if more people are using it and it's tracking your speed, then it can give an accurate representation of the traffic layout across an entire city like Los Angeles. Then it will actually reroute you based on the fastest traffic route. Oh, I didn't know that. So, so it'll actually suggest alternative routes in real time? In real time. It doesn't even suggest it. It just says, like, turn right here. Like, basically, it'll be like, why am I getting off the freeway right now? And it's because, like, you'll probably go faster on that surface street than you would Whoa. on the freeway. Okay. So I didn't. I missed that part of the video. That's you have cool. To kind of, yeah. So you have to kind of, like, trust, kind of let, let, let go a little bit with it because you're like, well, this is kind of a weird, you know, thing, but... That happened to me when I was on my way to rehearsal at the Boston Court one day. It was taking me on a route that I would never have gone. And I got from south from the 10 freeway south of downtown to Pasadena during rush hour in 12 minutes. Wait, 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 wait. And wait, I was wait. like... You got from downtown LA to Pasadena? In 12 minutes. Uh, at what time of day? Rush hour. Like, my rehearsal was like at 7. Wow. And I was stuck in traffic on the, on the 10 south of downtown. And what I normally would have done is taken like the 101 or the 5 or something to go through downtown such to get north. Such an L.A. conversation yeah, right now. such an L.A. It. conversation. Everybody, everybody just, yeah, fast forward if you're not. You're thinking of moving here, this is what you have to look forward <laughs> exactly. to. Exactly. I'm giving you a real, a true taste. Yeah. Uh, so I would usually go through down, go through downtown or take the 5, right? And it was like, no, keep going east on the 10. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to trust it. And I kept going east on the 10, east on the 10. And I'm like, I am, first of all, traffic completely broke up after downtown. I was like, oh, I'm totally cruising. Then it had me get off the freeway in a neighborhood I didn't know. And it was like, okay, now start going. That's when I went north and I took surface streets. And I'm not kidding. I was there in 12 minutes. It was that the crazy. Cool. It was the craziest experience. So um, that's, w- that's what it does all- automated and then manually you can also input data like um you know if you see a speed trap if you see a car on the side of the road like a hazard if there's an accident that you witness or something or construction something like that construction you can you can post it and it will show up on other people's maps and that was the other thing that tripped me out as i was driving um uh, on the two or something like that and it like had two alerts and it was like car in the shoulder and i was like Oh well, here's the true huh. test, and sure enough, I passed a semi with its hazard light hazard lights on in the shoulder, and then I passed another car, and it was like perfectly accurate on the map. So, two, two questions for you, real mm-hmm. fast. Number one, what's to stop somebody from going in there and just totally messing with it? Like some asshole could go in there and be like, oh, "I'm gonna make, sh- I'm gonna say that this bridge blew up earlier today, or something <laughs> like that," you know. What's <clears throat> to stop that? And then number two, isn't that a lot of work for somebody to be driving along and? And feeling obligated maybe to log these things or, I mean, what's your take on that? So I'll take it in reverse order. Um, this, for the second question, typing is disabled while you're driving. Yeah, and that's an safety, amazing feature. Which is awesome. Um, Very and, smart. And everything that you would need to post in terms of like a hazard or something can usually happen within two, maybe three taps. So like if I pass a constri- construction, I literally tap on like <clears throat> the, um, and you know, you can, you can put it on, uh, you know, if you have one of those, I have in my car, I have one of those iPhone holders. So it's like, it looks like a GPS. It's up in front of me. So I don't, don't take my eyes off the road. I can reach up, tap on this button. That's like the hazard button, tap on construction and that's it done. 
and I That's go. That's cool. So to God, talking answer, about talk about being in service to the LA community, you exactly, know? and that's kind of part of the answer to your first question, which is like, you know, what's stopping what's you know stopping people from being a dick? Well, first of all, don't be a dick, uh, and second of and and second of all, um, anybody else who comes across that thing can say whether it's there or not. So there's like a thumbs up and thumbs down like oh, type cool. button. So like if, when I was driving along waiting to see these cars on the side of the road i was like <laughs> if they're not there i'm gonna say they're oh they're there okay wow <laughs> so then i tapped on the thumbs up button like oh yeah it's there i i just witnessed it wow okay so two two more uh <clears throat> things number one they already they say that la traffic la streets are already over capacity so if everybody starts using this app doesn't that kind of negate the whole thing like you know what i mean um well, I'm thinking like theoretical, you're thinking like way, like, way yeah. ahead. Um, it would not necessarily because there's something to be said for like the snowshoe theory. You know what I mean? Like snowshoes are designed to distribute your weight so that you can walk on top of deep snow, right? right, right. Like a like a Eskimo or something. I don't know. I, I never lived in Alaska, so I don't know what I'm talking about right now, but. Um, <laughs> okay, moving on. It's a really comedic <laughs> episode. People could mine this for like stand-up comedy, right? Um, so, s- so snowshoe theory. What I'm saying is like it would be um, more evenly distributed. Because if you think mm-hmm. about it, if you, me, and a hundred other people get rerouted because we're all using Waze, and the people on the freeway aren't, and we go on to another street or freeway or something, right? And say that street starts to slow down. That's going to show up on the app as well. So mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, then other people get rerouted. And it sort of like distributes the... Okay. I guess I can't quite wrap my brain around it quite yet. It feels like if it's everybody's secret weapon, is it really a secret weapon kind of thing, you know? Well, for me, it's not even about like it being a secret weapon. I want to encourage more people to use it because I know that it will benefit me and it will benefit you. And it's, it, it mm-hmm. is a, a, you know, a sort of... Um, mutually beneficial thing yeah, and it, yeah. and it and the more people are using it the more accurate it becomes yeah you know cool cool and then my last uh, my last kind of thing here <laughs> i think it's an amazing app but i'm totally going to download it um despite my my concerns about my weird science fiction mind is like, oh, Big Brother's tracking me. You know, <laughs> like it's I'm cool. trying to just let you're go being, of that. You're being scully to my molder. It's all there good. We go. <laughs> uh, so the, the third thing is, um, I've always like, you know, when gas actually topped at some places in Ugh. the city, five dollars a gallon this past week. Yeah, and I have been saying for years that as soon as gas tops five dollars a gallon. Like, I am drastically cutting down my car use and relying on my bike and public transportation and walking for for everything. And I'm just going to, like, bite the bullet and just deal with it. Audition in Pasadena, at, you know, in two hours? Like, fucking figure it out. You know, like, go rent a car if I need to. But, like, just really kind of cut down on that because I feel like the more I drive, the more I add to the problem. Mm-hmm. And now it's just fucking expensive, too. So, um what say you to to encouraging more and more people to drive as opposed to walk because i know you're environmentally minded as well and you're sensitive to the gas situation and and all the uh all the fallout that entails so what say you to that side of things i would say that i I, that's a great question i would say that i am not encouraging people to drive more 
I'm drive saying smarter. That, yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. I'm saying that yeah. I'm, I'm saying that people are already driving. So why not give them like a useful tool? I am not in any way saying like, this is an excuse to not be environmentally conscious or not, you know, use alternative transportation. Like, if you're going down the street and you're like using this application, you're a tool. Like, come on. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> I get to be, you know, m- my world right now is stretched from like Marina Del Rey to Pasadena. And anybody who doesn't live in Los Angeles, it may not seem that far. If you look, if you're looking it up on a map right now and you're living in Germany going, what are these guys complaining about? But that's like, it's like, two different planets it's like 20 miles right 20 25 miles yes but in los angeles tw- 20, oh yeah no it's like it's during- like going to a different country yeah yeah it's like four hours away or something <laughs> like that in tra- it's ridiculous it is it is it is legitimately ridiculous the amount of time we shall we say waste yeah on 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 that so yeah um that's all I, that's all i'm and saying the resources yeah cool <laughs> well right on that's um that's so but i get answer, you dude. i get you my pick of the week should have been like metro i get you <laughs> <laughs> no. well i mean that's good my okay. pick of the week is take the bus yeah <laughs> pick of the week is, yeah. stay off the road people power my way. man uh listener pick of the week this this is actually a nice piggyback off of uh off of your pick of the week yeah it's uh, somewhat related yeah, uh, so uh, listener Dennis, longtime listener Dennis Baker, uh, posted on our Facebook page about this really cool website called ActorsWillBeToed.com. And this is just a database, it looks like, of all the casting director, all the casting offices, rather, in LA and where the best free parking is around there. Because I think we've all had the experience, those of us in LA at least, of going to an audition like having just a nightmare of a time trying to find parking and then like praying that we get out of the audition on to aud- audition on time so that we don't get a ticket or get towed. So this, this is like <laughs> kind of, kind of incredible actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it was Dennis himself that said who, whoever <clears throat> created this website, everyone, every actor in LA own, owes him a coffee. Like a, Oh, yeah. him a beer. Like we yeah. got to take him out. So if you're not taking her the bus or, her. or biking or walking to your audition, if you're driving, use Waze and then use this site to find the best uh, the best place to park while you're there. Especially since so many auditions. I mean, my experience has been that 85, 90 percent of the auditions I go to have been running behind. You know, they very rarely are on time. I'm usually there for at least an hour. Yeah, uh, unless it's like a high level theatrical audition, then it, it usually is on time. But you know, those are kind of few and far between at this point <laughs> yeah so yeah actors will be towed.com god we, we're just like creating a nice little toolkit for people that's, <laughs> uh, that's what the podcast yeah. is my friend and you can find uh, the link to that on our website amen <clears throat> so we are out of time dude uh gotta go closing closing thoughts closing thoughts before we wrap it up uh, take care of the planet. Please. Take care of the planet. <laughs> Amen. Amen. If you're listening to this and you want to be in touch with us or support the podcast, there's lots of different ways to do that. You can email us at insideactingpodcast at gmail.com and or leave us a voicemail at 213-2-ACTORS. That's 213-222-8677. And what's the deal, people? Like, you used to call us all the time. Now you don't call anymore. You never call. So, you never write. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, pick up the phone, man. Get your voice on the podcast. It's we get sick of hearing ourselves. Uh, so um, what else, dude? We got Facebook.com slash inside acting. Twitter.com slash inside acting. Also our individual accounts, twitter.com slash digital actor. Yeah, and twitter.com slash Trevor Algott. Um, we've got uh, places you can go on and re- and give us re- leave us reviews if you'd like. iTunes and actorrated.com. Just do a search for inside acting on either one of those. 
and then, and then yeah. last but certainly not least, uh, you can donate to the podcast, which, uh, as you know, not only goes to benefit us, but goes to benefit this awesome organization called Make a Film Foundation, which uh, uh, supports youth, at-risk youth in Los Angeles and making their own films, which is yeah, really cool. You can really check out their website. <clears throat> by going to our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. On the right-hand side, we've got a donate button, big yellow donate button. You can donate one lump sum, or you can donate on a monthly recurring basis and become what we like to call our patrons. And if you do that, you end up actually having your own little section on the website with your headshot and a little bio and uh, our undying and forever, never-ending love. Yeah. Yeah, and we keep saying there's there's like all this cool stuff for people in the works, and there really is. It's just we're just a two-man operation here. It's actually a three-person operation, but as far as creating the content goes, it's a two-person operation. So some of these things take time, but uh, it's coming. There's some really cool stuff coming, and if you are a patron, you get first dibs access to it, and we're really excited for it. Yes, um, it's definitely. Just, it's just, you know, we both work multiple jobs and go to auditions all the time, and producing this podcast is like one of those things that we always want to put more energy into but we just can't seem to squeeze everything we need into the week so um stay tuned it's all it's all on the way uh i think that's it that does her that does it for episode 86 uh so until next week i'm trevor algott i'm aj meyer we'll see you next time and in the meantime all your gold are belong to us (laughs) 